geopolitics and empire is joined by a man who absolutely needs no introduction, Dr. Ron Paul. It's great to have you on the podcast, Dr. Paul. Great. Nice to be with you. Um, and, you know, I, I've got I got some of your books here, uh, which I highly recommend. I got this over a decade ago, and so it's it's great to be able to talk to you. And uh, I attended for the very first time the Ron Paul Institute Conference this year, actually both of them. I got the flyers here. I was a sponsor. And so uh, really wonderful events. And I encourage people um, to attend the events next year. And what absolutely amazes me, Dr. Paul, is, you know, I'm in my 30s and sometimes I get tired and and, uh, dejected when it comes to fighting tyranny and fighting for liberty. But then I look at you, you know, uh, at at nearing the age of of 90, you're still doing it day in, day out. And then I say to myself, I got to keep on trucking. What what keeps you driven and your fire and flame going so strong? You know, I I love to hear stories like that because uh, uh, interestingly enough, you've heard me talk and I don't mince words. I don't say everything is wonderful. I usually lay it out on the table and say things are a mess and it's going to get worse unless we do something. But uh, then I try to describe that there is an alternative and things that can be done. We shouldn't be worried about it. It's just a matter of ideas. And I was always impressed when I talked to the college uh, students, you know, during the national campaign, because many of them would come up and say something about you said. They said, you know, uh, you're so optimistic. I said, well, I just... uh, uh, you know, t- told you of all the problems. Yeah, they said, but uh, you f- you finish with saying it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, so I'm delighted with that. And I like to emphasize that because I really believe it, even though uh, no, none of us know the future and uh, exactly how to be it. it I, I, but I believe it's true. I think it could ha- I, I think things could get much better in a year if we did the right things. It's, but it's not likely they're going to do it. So it's just a matter, but I do enjoy meeting people like you who are interested. You know, that makes all the difference in the world. We probably said that on our conference that uh, we come here for our benefit too, because we learn and we get encouraged. And I think it's, uh, uh, to to me, it's a lot of fun because uh, there's a lot of things that people do in their spare time that uh, I wouldn't have that much fun, you know, doing, but, uh, I do. Ever since I got, uh, you know, probably when I was still in medical school, I was given some books. Uh, it's interesting. My mother uh, gave me two books at that time in the 50s. And one was uh, human. I know uh, one one was uh, uh, Ann Rand's book, uh, Atlas Shrugged. And the other one was Dr. Shivago. And they, they sort of excited me. But then I got into Hayek and Mises. And they made predictions about 1971, what would happen. So that's how I got interested. But I find it really fascinating. And and as I mentioned so often in my speeches, that it's good to get together for other people to meet other people to show that, that, you know, when you're out there and 90 percent of the people were all, you know, brainwashed by government schools. They said, I didn't know other people existed. And I always think that, uh, you know, our job is to help people unlearn the things that they have been taught. I did that, had to do that myself. I had to spend time taking things that they gave me in the government education and uh, talk myself intellectually that it's just not that way. So uh, I try to make fun of it because uh, it'd be pretty boring if we didn't have a little enjoyment talking about it. Yeah, it's it's very encouraging when we come together, and uh, you know I'm going to try to go to as many events next year as well. Um, and to talk about some of the problems, you know, uh, you and Daniel and Chris have been talking about it on the on the program. Um, 
your Liberty Report and what concerns me, the state of tyranny in America and the world. You know, we had the absolute dystopia of COVID-1984, as I call it. They want to try and bring it back. We've got American intelligence agencies now becoming Stasi and coming after Americans, free speech under attack by Washington and big tech. Uh, some of us have been, have been singled out by the DHS, uh, like myself. Uh, I was banned from PayPal and, and Patreon. Others have been debanked like Nigel Farage and, and uh, Canadians have had bank accounts frozen. Brazilians, Europeans, you know, this budding social credit system. I've had John Whitehead uh, of the Rutherford Institute on the program last year, and, you know, he's great. He offers a stark uh, assessment. It's it's frightening. W what do you make of this surveillance uh, state and creeping authoritarianism? Well, it frightens me, but it motivates me too to try to do something about it because it's so serious. When I left Congress, I gave a little talk on the House floor. Said the most important thing we do is protect our First Amendment because if we can't talk about this uh, and give our side of the story, we're we're in big trouble. But then I kept here what we do. You and I are talking because of advancement in technology and the internet, I thought was so wonderful inve uh, invention. And I'm not a computer person. I thought this was wonderful, but also found that like so many things, there's the good and the evil. Uh, you can use the internet for ad advancing totalitarianism, uh, or it could be used for us, uh, for you and me and the many others spreading our message. Uh, so I think there's a net benefit to this, but it also emphasizes the fact that, uh, you know, as bad as uh, Twitter was, uh, I, you know, uh, things got better. And uh, I think that's the case. It doesn't always stay the same, but it's, uh, it's, it means that we don't have to take guns to take over and get rid of the people who uh, run the, the Justice Department in Washington because it wouldn't be very practical and probably wouldn't work. But it also means that if you get your ideas out, you can have changes. And I think back, well, how did they spread a message uh, around in the eight, uh, 1770s? And it was by pamphleteering. So I think we're the modern day pamphleteering uh, individuals that spread a message. But I think we have a better go at it. You know, I'm shocked <laughs> when somebody said, would we have something that struck a chord? Uh, on our, one of our programs, uh, and, and not, not just one, but on occasion, you know, we have a real good turnout. And, uh, uh, they say, well, boy, that was good. Rock. We had 100,000 people take a look at that. And I said, that is pretty amazing. So uh, I, I think, well, that's an opportunity, you know. So, uh, but uh, I also know there's an opportunity for the evildoers because they would like, and you point out, they like to silence us. So they, the one thing that the enemy who are in charge of all this can't stand is hearing the truth. And that is our greatest weapon. And uh, I, I am encouraged by that because I think the large number of people, when they have the information, are really good people. Because if I look at all the people I've met over my lifetime, most of them were pretty decent people, you know. So uh, it's it's just a matter of who's in leadership and how do they get there. And, uh, people don't understand uh, how the dictatorship of a majority, you know, democracy is wonderful. You know, everybody gets to give their peace, but uh, they can end up destroying the, all the beliefs and freedoms of the minority. 
So it, it to me is a fascinating subject. I found monetary policy to be fascinating. And I, uh, over the years, became more and more anti-war because that is a real drain on our civil liberties, our freedom, our financial business, everything else. So that's uh, that, that to me uh, is very encouraging that we can identify the enemy. And, and right now, a few people, even a few Republicans are waking up. Unfortunately, not enough. They're waking up and saying, what are we pumping all this money into Ukraine? I mean, who, who, who ordered this war? And uh, that uh, if people just hear that, that's what I found amazing during the campaign is that uh, when when I would say something that was different than the rest, I would have reporters come up. Why would you say something stupid like that? You know, just just make fun of it all. And it turned out that most of the time, some of those things ended up being more popular than what the others were saying. Yeah, and uh, you know, you, you do have a point. I'm seeing more people begin to question the COVID um, narrative, and yeah, I've been interviewing on my radio program a lot of climate climate scientists who are also beginning to see a shift in the tide of a uh, opinion. And you mentioned war. I did want to ask you about empire. That's in the name of the podcast. You know, I had Daniel McAdams on the program last year, and he said we are witnessing the tail end uh, of empire. Yet we've got you know Washington, London, Brussels are starting wars with Russia. China, BRICS is forming. Where do you feel we're at, and what does the road uh, ahead look like? Oh, you mean for for our empire, it's disintegrating, and that's good. It's losing its uh, <clears throat> its authority, uh, the military as well as the diplomatic authority around the world, the economic power. We are bankrupt. It's just a matter of that realization set in. But because we have been very wealthy and very aggressive. And we had the reserve currency of the world and the maximum number of weapons. We've uh, we've gained a lot of power, and uh, especially since World War II. But uh, we're seeing the end. Uh, we are bankrupt, and that's why there's a, there's a, a bit of a problem uh, over uh, over the budget routinely, but worse this year than usual. So that uh, that means it's coming it's coming to an end. The dollar. Uh, is not destined to be uh, a dollar, uh, you know, 10 years from now. But uh, you just can't, you can't have a currency that's undefinable and then just say, well, we can make as much as ever. But we've had so much power and so many people are sucked into the system. Uh, they may support us and they may support the dollars because they're still receiving dollars from us. And we buy their support at the same, at the same time, uh, it's it's only going to be temporary uh, because eventually those dollars won't buy very much. But there's too many people dependent on us, and as long and they're, they're, so you know, I kept thinking, well, there's a few of them are going to get together, and that's still a possibility when the, when the time comes, getting together and just dumping the dollars and really punishing us. But right now, there's too many people benefiting by it. But it's when the dollar <clears throat> continues to erode in value. And all of a sudden, people, uh, you know, maybe when we approach that crack up boom, where people people get to the point, no matter what it is, it's going to be better than just holding dollars. Uh, we're not there, but we could. But that's when it would really have to end. In the meantime, we are going to continue to punish the innocent more than the more than the beneficiaries. You know, the deep state, 
the pharmaceutical industry, even the medical industry, uh, and also the military industry, they're going to continue. I mean, they, they haven't let up, uh, you know, no matter how disastrous this whole thing has been in the Middle East and Vietnam and Korea and Libya and uh, Syria, uh, they never stop, you know. But uh, that's why we have to do our best to talk them into stopping. But at the same time, we have to realize that it's going to continue. It will end and we better be ready to replace the mess that we have now with something that made a lot of sense. And I think we could learn a few more lessons from our founders. I think we have forgotten a lot of what they were trying to talk, talk to us about. Yeah. And, and speaking of empire, another concern I have is, is world empire or uh, world government globalism. Uh, I know uh, you and Chris discuss it um, often. I had Chris on my radio program last week, uh, Chris Rossini, and um, you know this drive toward world government, giving more control uh, to the UN, to the World Economic Forum, to these foundations like the Gates Foundation and this global central centralization of power that they're attempting. You know the climate agenda, um, and I know you, you and Chris. Uh, y'all are optimistic, but you know what are your thoughts on these attempts for uh, global control? Well, they're they're evil, uh, they're immoral, they're unconstitutional, and it's run by the deep state, and that just enhances the uh, empire and the globalists. So uh, it'll it'll have to end. But some of that stuff is breaking up, and you you see that <clears throat> see NATO. Uh, will will break up uh, because uh, you know we, we won't be able to finance it and and it will collapse. I I believe. Of course, uh, Robert Taft was right to begin with. He says we should never even gotten into NATO. Uh, but I think the inefficiency of it. Uh, uh, you know, thinking about uh, the Soviet system and the Cold War, because I sort of was more attuned to politics throughout the whole gold, uh, to, uh, uh, the whole time of the Cold War. And uh, yet uh, it, 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 I was so amazed and impressed with the, the empire, the Soviet empire dissipated with, without a blip, you know. It was just gone. We, we didn't get, we got better stuff and it worked for a while, but the, <clears throat> no nukes. And I was drafted in uh, in a month of uh, of of danger when there were Soviet missiles in Cuba, and uh, they were talking seriously about you know <laughs> using them, and and that that uh, that to me was a, a a major crisis. But that's gone. The system just dissipated. So a bankrupt system. That's why if we just leave it alone, and uh, that's why. You know, uh, although I never got support from anybody in the establishment, but when I would talk about it that in the campaign, I said, well, well, what's your policy? Just bring them home. We just marched in the Middle East, just march out, you know, and it doesn't it it makes it so it's not confusing and it, they don't get mixed up. Well, that's right. What are we doing there? People die. People die. and We're going bankrupt. Uh, so as got, time goes on, it's going to get more and more. So I love this argument about, uh, you know, this pseudo promise that they're going to close down the government if they don't get a couple more billion dollars for the Ukraine war. Uh, so that that's a good sign. People are waking up and there are some good signs that happen that 
the the average person finally got tired of uh, the lockdown over COVID. But uh, the uh, the people who are in charge, you know, the military industrial complex, the pharmaceutical industry, the, this whole mess, uh, they, they are not going to walk away quietly. He said, sorry, we were wrong. We messed up. I think we better uh, turn, turn honest, but we're going to go read the Constitution. That's not going to happen. You know, and uh, the and, and the other thing, unfortunately, we're not going to see a gradual improvement. We can't say, Ron, all you have to do is campaign harder and get more people. Maybe if you had a couple hundred people that would uh, listen to you when you were in Congress, things would help. It's not going to happen. Uh, it's it's going to be years before those individuals that believe that way are going to give up their so-called right to, to be in Congress. So it, it's not going to end with a, uh, with, with a changing of attitude that changes Congress, but it is a change of an attitude. We have to have more people who will stand up. So the laws weren't changed under, you, uh, under COVID, but people started resisting. I think that, that is resisting and an honest uh, boycott. This is the way to get their attention, uh, but it has to happen you know, uh, with the idea that you can use the armed force, even though they use armed force. Uh, just think of our judicial system now and our, our CIA and FBI and, and, and IRS. Uh, they use armed forces. Uh, they have guns. They all have guns. So that's where the reason I advocate regulation of guns on those in government who are nothing more than a bunch of bureaucrats. We've covered a lot of the key issues, tyranny, uh, war, and empire economy. Um, what, you know, these days, what, what's something that's at the top of your mind that you're most thinking about, worried about, or, you know, optimistic about? Well, it's, it's all together because everything you just uh, said has to do with personal liberty. And, uh, if we could honor the whole principle of, uh, liberty as an individual, right, uh, I, I I think it would change. It's disgusting the, the the debates and the laws and how people want to deal with a very very difficult uh, subject as such as abortion. Uh, but I think most of it could be solved by limited government, local government, and seeing that personal liberty is important, and uh, that personal liberty to me means you have a right to your property. So even the First Amendment is uh, protected by property rights. You know, if it's, if you're thinking of uh, re- religious freedom, you know, if, if you, if you have a church and you have people in there and they have certain beliefs, you don't, you don't have to say, well, the first amendment says I can come in there and counteract what you're saying. No, it's my house. It's my home. And it's my school. You can't do it. That's why things should be private. It's when the government gets in charge. And that's why, one reason why I'm very interested in homeschooling and one reason, you know, why I have, uh, you, you know, the the opportunity to get out of the system. And more people are thinking about that. And COVID, it helped us on that. COVID helped, helped boost uh, our number of people who take uh, homeschooling. So that to me is very important. Yeah, I'm a homeschooler and I've seen uh, that movement grow even here in uh, Mexico a little bit thanks to COVID. And you know, I, I know today on your program, you were discussing uh, gold and, you know, and, and any thoughts for in the face of tyranny at home and the broad economic collapse, war, uh, mass migration, what, you know, any thoughts on ways people can make 
preparations to weather some of these storms uh, ahead? Yeah, and I think uh, you were talking about issues that gets most of my attention, and I broadly define that. But I think uh, I think the immigration problem is a big problem. And I try to simplify that to if you subsidize something, you're going to get more of it. So if you subsidize an immigration pro, uh, program, which uh, says you can come in anytime you want, and you can demand anything you want, we'll give it to you. We'll have have everything out on a platter for you. And we'll even take it away from working Americans and make them pay the bills. That's an invasion. And we have lost that that war because we didn't have to fight that well that war we just surrendered we surrendered oh come in do the, do whatever you want and uh, that's uh, that's uh, a big problem but let's hope that that's, that we can improve that uh, before the total collapse comes and I think maybe the election might help that but that to me is an immediate problem and people are there's a there's a change going on. Uh, you know, when you see the mayor of New York City talking about, uh, you know, a change of attitude, eventually it's uh, practice. They don't come and say, oh, yeah, we finally understand that issue of, of personal liberty and private property. Right. And uh, no, they're going to say, well, <laughs> you know, the one article today, I think it was about New York. They said they're begging for the police to come in and begging, you know, for law and order. The city's blowing up. At the same time, they disarmed and dispelled the uh, uh, the police. But I also would like to introduce the notion that all safety should be recognized as a safety, you know, a personal issue. And there's no reason why there couldn't be. Uh, what I don't understand is if I lived in a community and I had a store, why I should not have the right and the responsibility of being guard my building. You know, have the cameras up and have something that anybody comes in there and starts stealing. Uh, they they should be uh, the owner should meet uh, some force. Now, if the owner, an employee of the owner, starts uh, beating on a criminal and chases them out the building and they go after him, that person goes, you, you know, it breaks the law. They want to arrest the person to try to deal with it. Now, private property would go a long way, and, and there would be a lot more private protective agencies, and uh, I, I think that would help. But uh, this whole thing of just surrendering, you know, I remember when I, when I was running as a libertarian, you know, I was sort of, uh, uh, you know, trying to explain my position on immigration. I said, well, I, I like the idea of immigrants coming in and, you know, the, the usual positive things of, about I immigration. Uh, I said, I have one problem. I says, when, if you're overly laxed, this was in 1988, if you're overly laxed in how you handle this and people can just march in, when does it become an invasion? And I keep thinking about that. I think it's here. You know, I think we've been invaded and we surrendered. We surrendered. Come in. We don't care. Uh, we're not going to put anybody there to stop and ask you questions or send you back. So come in and, and, and demand your rights by taking away all the stuff of the people who are still working. It, it's totally nuts. And, uh, but I think a growing number of people are saying this. We just need some, somebody to be able to go up there and voice that opinion on how, if we emphasize some of these things I'm talking about, it, it could, it could, could change. We could change and move in a better direction. Right now, it's a serious problem. Yeah, I recall we should look as an example to the, they called them the rooftop 
Koreans, I think, in the 90s during the Rodney King riot, where they took up their arms and defended their their shops. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I often think of what you said, I think it was back in 2011, when you said that the defense that was being built uh, on the border between U.S. and Mexico was to keep Americans in um uh to, to keep americans in and so you know I, I came to mexico in 2010 and so I, I am seeing it a bit harder for americans to uh expatriate uh but in any case you know and and do you have any final thought or, or closing thought for us oh nothing other than the fact that i really enjoy being on programs like this i think this is what has to be done the numbers that have to grow your numbers have to grow more people. So it delights me when I meet a lot of young people and uh, most libertarians want to know how uh, they meet a new libertarian. They're like, when did you start it? Was your dad that helped you along or was it a book or what? And find out what's happened. But occasionally, uh, and I'm always very pleased, they say, oh, I, I got interested when I or what you were saying during the during the campaign. So, and the one thing is, is uh, building the Remda is my goal, is the people who are there, but nobody knows who they are, how many there are. Uh, you, you yourself probably don't know exactly how many people you influence. You might know how many listeners there are, but you, you don't know how many people they talk to. I have no idea, you know, and sometimes I'm shocked to find out that, you know, I could do a little thing for 20, 30 minutes and 100,000 people found it. That just blows my mind because I never wanted to get into politics. And it was more or less just when I got into politics in the 70s, it was just to voice an opinion on the monetary policy because I said, you don't have a monetary system. You're going to have runaway spending and runaway inflation. And that excited me. So uh, I, I assured my wife, that don't worry about it. I, I'm not going to be moving to Washington because nobody's going to elect me. I don't think so. So yeah. I was pleased. I was pleased there were a few of us. I, I, I just did want to add at the conference in D.C. recently, the Ron Paul Institute conference, I met a young man who had been through the uh, your, your student seminar. Uh, and that also gave me encouragement because he um, got into trouble because of the COVID laws and he, he sued and he won, which oh. was, you know, in, in, incredible. I think you may have talk to him and so th that was inspiring and, and uh, again the work that you're doing with the students and the seminars and so um, yeah, I, I encourage everyone to subscribe to the Ron Paul Liberty Report bookmark and subscribe to the ronpaulinstitute.org mailing list and thank you Dr. Paul for your work and for being on Geopolitics and Empire. Thank you great being with you. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com, and I encourage you to sign up for the free email list that goes out with each podcast and every weekend with a collection of news headlines. The newsletter and website are our last lines of defense. We're being censored and deplatformed. It's nearly impossible to find Geopolitics and Empire on the Google search engine. We've been blacklisted. YouTube frequently takes down our videos with strikes, Facebook restricts our page, Reddit and Twitter take down posts, and after the Associated Press mentioned geopolitics and empire in a 2021 article co-written with NATO, our Patreon account was terminated. Vimeo also terminated our Pro account. The best free way to help geopolitics and empire is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere and subscribe to all of our media channels. You can find the video broadcast now on five platforms, Odyssey, Rockfin, Rumble, BitChute, and Brighteon. You can find the audio broadcast on the podcast ecosystem, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and so on. My current favorite social media channels are Twitter and Telegram, 
but you can also find us on Gab, MeWe, Minds, Float, VK, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Finally, Geopolitics and Empire is in dire need of funding to continue. You can leave a donation, purchase a consultation with the host, or become a member to receive additional benefits. We also produce a weekly broadcast called Dissident Thinker for members and Rockfin subscribers only. We will continue to fight the good fight come hell or high water. Thank you for listening.